Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice, musician turned entrepreneur and co-founder of 6th Ave Homes and 6th Ave Storytelling. Over the past 10 years, I have launched multiple successful businesses and have become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship and marketing. I've been on a personal quest to unpack what it takes to make and grow a great brand. One thing that I've discovered is that stories are powerful and that storytelling has the power to set a brand apart. Join me as I dive into the stories of the heavy-hitting leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and business owners in our community to hear their biggest wins, greatest losses, and their best business secrets. There's a story behind every great brand. Welcome to Stories with Soul. Stories with Soul is brought to you by my company, 6th Ave Storytelling. In 2020, we launched a marketing company on a mission to encourage entrepreneurship and make starting and growing a small business easier than ever before. Since then, we have helped hundreds of small businesses and entrepreneurs grow their brands by giving them the tools, resources, strategy, and support they need to craft and share their stories. If you are thinking about launching and growing your own brand, schedule a meetup with me today. I would love to talk to you. Head over to 6thAvStorytelling.com and let me show you how the storytelling approach can transform your marketing strategy. Howdy guys, welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice, and I'm also the guest today. Whee! We are, uh, we're, I'm, we're doing something different. I'm putting myself in the hot seat and I have a special co-host, or maybe you're, technically you're the host because you're asking me questions. I'm the guest host. The guest host. Mm-hmm. This is Sage Randall, uh, who, who we work very closely. How long have we worked together? Uh, a, like a year and a half. Year I think coming up on about two years. Okay, it feels a lot longer. It does. <laughs> it's been, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's been a journey. So, anyways, Sage is my CEO at Six Avenue Storytelling. She is the yin to my yang. Mm-hmm. Uh, she essentially wrangles everything uh, at, at at Six Avenue. She has has made <laughs> made us a better company, made me a better leader. And so, I, I I wanted to I wanted to just flip the script and try something different. Normally, we dive into um, stories of leaders, but, but I, I wanted to just, I know I'm asking questions, but, but I, I, I thought it'd be I'm fun. I'm here to ask you questions. Yeah, I thought, I thought it'd be fun to just go in some of the things that we've learned about over the years. So, so Sage is going to be asking a lot of questions. I'm going to be in the hot seat. We're going to dialogue some. So it's, it's just different. We're trying it out. If this is good, if this is good and people like it, we might do more. Um, so I, I don't want to spend too much time on my story. Normally this is a podcast about stories. Uh, but because my assumption is most of y'all know me, uh, if you listen, if you don't, I'm going to give you the, the five mm-hmm. minute version. So, you know, quick, quick Jamie Ice highlights. Um, if you're new here, uh, I, I born and bra- raised in Fort Worth. I've lived in a three mile radius my entire life. I freaking love Fort Worth. Uh, but I, I started playing music. I was terrible at sports. So my parents bought me and my brother a guitar, started playing music in like middle school. And my brother and I mm-hmm. played Sweet Home Alabama in the McLean Middle School talent show, um, which was which was. Was fun. that like the first song you learned on a guitar? Was Sweet Home I Alabama. I think the, the first song I learned on the guitar was was Louie Louie. Oh, that's that's Louie cool. Louie. How do you say that? Louie Louie. Louie Louie. Yeah. Da-na-na. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the first <laughs> first song. Anyways, played music. Started a band called Green River Ordinance. Uh, played in played in middle school, high school. Uh, we signed a record deal with Capitol Records. <laughs> Dropped out of TCU and went to TCU, which was down the street from the high school. Um, toured the country for years and years. Uh, then started a restaurant. We opened Brood on Magnolia Avenue in 2011. Uh, my wife launched a nonprofit called The Net 
in 2012 and then started flipping houses with Jimmy, who's my other co-founder, you also work with. I do, yes. Um, started flipping houses, which turned into a real estate company, and we started Sixth Avenue Homes, uh, which we helped buy and sell and remodel real estate. We did a ton of remodeling in the South Side. And, and anyways, that company grew. Then we did some commercial development. We launched an event space called the 411, um, grew that, and then have just launched Sixth Avenue Storytelling, mm-hmm. which is our, our marketing company um, in 2020. Um, during COVID. During COVID. I was like, we can maybe go into the story of that a little more at some point. I think we, I think, yeah. Because that's your, that's your world. It's, because it's also like so, so many small businesses started during COVID yeah. because there were furloughs and layoffs. It's like, that is a world so many small businesses yeah, live in, pe- you know? people were like, I'm going to do my own thing now. Like overcoming that. Yeah, absolutely. So did, did that, uh, started a title company in 2021, um, launched some luxury Airbnbs mm-hmm. in 2022, launched this podcast in 2021. So I've just d- done a lot of things for a lot of different hats. Um, love, love, love entrepreneurship and small businesses. And so, yeah, so backstory. If you didn't know who I am, now you have a little idea. Jamie Ice, can... in a nutshell. <laughs> in, a, in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Oh, so I, so my first question for you. Okay. So having gone, having toured, I mean, the first thing you really did, like your yeah. first kind of job really yeah. was as a musician touring. What made you want to come back to Fort Worth? What made you like not like, I mean, you were had spread your wings and you were around yeah. the country. Why did you come back here to start your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. And and, and you're, you're, you're a DFW Fort Worth native. Yes. As well. Well, Right. I was Aren't born in New. I was born in New Jersey. Oh, you're born in New Jersey. I was born. In, I, I was born in New Jersey. I feel like the first. I told you that one time when I first started working here, and you were like, "I don't like people from New Jersey." <laughs> uh, I, I was born in New Jersey, but I've lived here probably since I was like seven years old. So I feel like I'm okay. formally, yeah, you know, so, yeah, middle school, high school, Texan, yeah. elementary school, yeah. Elementary school. So um, that's really funny, New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. I used to. <laughs> this is. I don't. Maybe I'm gonna regret saying this. I was. But I'm, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this because it's kind of inappropriate, but I used to be like, I'm not racist except for people from New Jersey. I love that. That's so funny. <laughs> it's not, it's my over-exaggeration because <laughs> I just had some bad experiences in New Jersey. Hey, fair I, enough. That's actually part of what, like, I was in, so always wanted to get out. I was like, Fort Worth, mm. too small of a town. We're going to go right. to Nashville or, or Austin or in, in, uh, some of those places, California. But I remember like our first really big tour. We toured around the state and in the south and 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 uh but our first big tour, we went all the way to Maine. We had like mm. did this big tour to Maine and and it was before GPS, it was before iPhones. We we're like using a You're map. Printing up map map quests map directions. And and <laughs> and it was before like you could book a hotel on Hotwire. Mm. So we literally would just look for a hotel on the side of the road and pull over and do That's any vacancies. Fun. But I distinctly remember being in New Jersey and we kept like getting in New Jersey. You can't take a trailer on a park place park. There's certain highways. Oh, like you a, can like the toll, the toll way yeah, or certain the parkway to- or certain tollways. Yeah. And so we kept messing that up and getting in trouble and, and you can't pump your gas. And, right. You anyways, can't pump your gas. It was late at night and I just was like, got homesick. Yeah. And I, I remember I put on, I never listened to country music, but I put on, Pat Green, who's been a guest mm-hmm. here, I put on some Pat Green music and I was like, man, I miss Texas. Mm. I really love Pete because people are just friendly here. Yeah. And, and, and anyways, so that's, I just literally had this kind of epiphany moment. Like, man, it's really great. I got this great community. It's this really special place. Uh, and I distinctly, I was in driving the van listening to Pat Green. And I was like, I like Texas. 
Aww. And I never thought that before. Yeah. And so since then, I've like fallen more and more in love just with our, it's, it's a special, special place. It is a special, I mean, it's, and it's growing so rapidly. So like to be a part of that rapid growth, like is yeah. exciting to be on the, you know, the, the front end of all of that. Mm-hmm. I think I just always thought that was so interesting that like having toured and being in music and being with Capitol Records is like, yeah, you could have gone to LA, you could have gone to New York, you could have yeah. started whatever you wanted, but you came back here and you're building this yeah. town, which is And I think great. P- part of it is like, I have been to all those places, spent a lot of time in all those yeah. places. And I can tell you like Fort Worth is really damn special. It is. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's, you don't know what you don't know until you experience it. And it's like, man, you know, we, we got a good thing going. Yeah. So, um, so in terms of, you know, starting out as an entrepreneur, you, you're, you're done on the road, you come back, you know, you, you and Melissa are here. What, what was like the trigger that made you decide, I, I want to start a business. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to move outside of music. Mm-hmm. Like, like what was that journey like for you? Yeah, I, I don't know that there was n- there wasn't a conscious conscience conscious I don't know what that was. <laughs> conscious I think is right conscious, conscious decision of I'm going to be an entrepreneur I want to do different things interesting I think so I I became an entrepreneur when we started the band like literally right supported myself you know with with that's the, true the small business of the band that's true people don't say I mean you are an entrepreneur when you're a musician yeah yeah you, you have to be you're a small you're business owner yeah. This episode is sponsored by the Fort Worth Business Press. As a Fort Worth entrepreneur and small business owner, the Business Press is my favorite source for news and updates about the entrepreneurial community in and around Fort Worth. I read their email newsletter literally every day. It's always full of insights and stories that really matter. Are you ready to be more connected? Sign up for their free newsletter at fortworthbusinesspress.com. But... If you're like me and the newsletter just isn't enough, you can become an insider. With the code STORYTELLING10, all one word, you'll get a discount on the insider membership. Insiders receive exclusive access to special content, 24 issues of the Business Press delivered to your door each year, and discounts on event registrations and more. Join me and the Forward Business Press in staying up to date on the people, companies, and issues that matter most to Fort Worth. And so we, we had two companies. We had like our music company that made music and sold albums and had publishing and all, you know, all that stuff. And then we had a touring entity where we made money mm-hmm. on concerts and merchandise. And so, man, I'm having to learn about bookkeeping and marketing and all this stuff. Yeah. So I feel like it was it was then, but I wasn't like, I want to, like now when I just rattled off my little resume, mm-hmm. it's a lot of things. But there's never, I never had this moment of like, I'm going to do a lot of things. Yeah. Um, it, it, re- it really was in, in 2011, 2010, Melissa is from Dallas and mm-hmm. in her mind, this is a similar story, but like her mind, Fort Worth was always a s- small town. Mm-hmm. We got married. She got a job here. She, she always wanted to go move to LA or Nashville. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I really want to raise my kids here. So we kind of mm-hmm. had a little tension in the the relationship yeah. over that. But, um, and so we, she got a job offer in Austin and we were looking at houses in Austin. Oh. We were kind of some, the band, some of the band members were moving to Nashville. Um, and, and anyway, some, some friends of ours who we Melissa also used to take these these trips to China. Uh, she mm. would take college kids to China on this leadership exchange thing. Mm-hmm. And there was this really cool coffee shop that was there. And some of our friends, that businessmen that we took over there went to this cool coffee shop. Anyways, we were like in China and we're like, we should start a coffee shop like this. So in- you were in China... Yeah, brood. The idea of brood was birthed out of China. That is, 
I had no idea. That is cool. Yeah. That's interesting. It's interesting. It's so interesting you have to go across the world to like come up with your idea to come back home. Yeah. Yeah. But, but both, both of those. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, we, we were like, what if we brought, did this in, mm-hmm. in Fort Worth? And, and the South Side kind of wasn't, it was, you know, we were living over there. It was up and coming. It was up and coming. And we we're like, man, what if we had a, you know, a place where people would gather? And I had seen all these things in my travels in Seattle and New York mm-hmm. and LA. And, it, you know, what if we, you know did kombucha which wasn't you know what if we what if we did some of these avant garde you know craft coffee and craft beer which is were new things in like 2010 2011 mm-hmm. um and so anyways we we sort of had this epiphany as a couple where not to over spiritualize it but we felt like god was like you know plant your roots here in fort worth what if what if because the reason we wanted to go to austin la was like because they had all these cool things mm-hmm. and so we were like what if instead of you know being consumers saying, we're going to go to a city to get this stuff. What if we made Fort Worth what we wanted mm. it to be? And so we said, let's do that. Let's open up this restaurant. And so that, that kind of, that, that was sort of the pivotal moment. We opened that. And then at the same time, she was like, man, I want to start this nonprofit. Mm-hmm. We just, those just sort of happened. I feel like now I'm in a place in my life where like, I sort of realized my superpower is starting things. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, I love Loves, you know, that sort of evolved, but it wasn't a conscious decision of like, I'm going to be a guy who starts a lot of businesses. Yeah, I just, but that's how it happens, you know. Interesting. Long, long answer there. To no, that. I didn't know that. I didn't know. I mean, I, I remember when Brood opened and there wasn't anything like it. Yeah. It, and, you know, the the locals living room, isn't that, mm-hmm. that was the yeah. kind of the tagline of it. And it was, it was, it like brought a community together in one place. Yeah. And, and it was very like living room we had couches yeah. and all this it was aesthetically enjoyable mm-hmm. it was open all kinds of hours everybody like throughout their entire day could come and, and be yeah. there but i know you had challenges with that too like yeah. starting that business having having no background in that coming from music you know also starting a nonprofit at the same time you mm-hmm. know with melissa doing that like what were the challenges of of just jumping in and doing something you'd never done before um yeah, it's a it was a lot of work. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I think we we made this beautiful space, uh, and we had this really cool concept. But just you know, operationally, it was just wild. Mm. Like originally, we were we were counter service, but we had this really elaborate, complicated menu. You know that, mm-hmm. and just just you know, cash flow and the numbers and how that works. Like there was just. A huge learning curve. It's like a whole new world of whole, whole, whole yeah. new world, and just like man, how do you, you know, it's it's one thing to have a great idea and make a beautiful space, but then operating it. Yeah. And so we, it grew very quickly. Like I was, I was marketing it. It mm-hmm. was, um, but but just man, a lot, a lot of challenges, you know, in numbers. Yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. p- part of my weakness as a as a leader and entrepreneur is I, and you and I were talking about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I, I do business because it sounds fun. Mm-hmm. I am not motivated by money. I am not like, I'm going to make a bunch of money. I'm like, I want to do things that are interesting, that sound fun. And if it sounds fun and challenging, like I will jump headfirst into that mm-hmm. because I don't care a lot about money. Uh, I tend to neglect that side of things. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my mistakes in all my businesses, some of my biggest ones have just come from not being as like hands-on with, with, with the that, finance. Like, ensuring profitability. I'm like, we're growing. I can grow things. I like growing things. I'm good at growing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think Brood was like part of that. You know, we were tons of people were coming in. It was super successful. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, you can't, part of Brood was like to give back and create space for the community, mm-hmm. but you can't give back if you're not making profit. Right. 
Um, right. So just, a business is a business. Business is a business. No matter what your mission is, no matter anything. And we talk about this just in supporting small businesses at Six Up Storytelling. Like we want to do everything we can to support small businesses. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we are also a business. Yeah. And we have to take care of our business. Yeah. And know? I would give away our services for free. Uh, I know you would. And, and I'm not going to let you do that. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm trying to find ways you can do that. Yeah. But part, part, And part of your your job as a COO, as an operator, mm-hmm. is to ensure profitability. Right. And so, man, we, you know, you and I have yes. butt heads a lot because I'm like, I can know they can only afford this. Let's do it for this. And you're like, no, Jamie, we will lose money if we do that. We're, right. We will pay them to do work for them mm-hmm. if we do that price. And so I think that's... I guess what, why you need different, you know, yes. different brains. But I, I have had had to learn kind of the hard way to 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 be way more hands on with the numbers mm-hmm. and to build models that ensure profitability and not ignore those models. Um, yeah. So I, I think you know that those are some of the challenges. But just operating that, I think Brood is now like is I'm I'm no longer part of it. I right. sold out of that in 2019. Um, but it is it has it's doing really really well. Like yeah. They're they're crushing it now. It's it's done well. We it, we you know, change a lot of things, but, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but to start that and like that, that almost set the tone for everything else that has happened in that area on my oh, totally I mean, has. it's six half homes too. Like, yeah. I mean, you guys started a transition that is just snowballed, yeah. which is really powerful. And like, even if you're not involved in it now, like yeah. that, that's a huge accomplishment. We were, we were the first at the time we were the first business to go that close to Magnolia mm-hmm. or not that, that close to Hemp Hill. I mean, on Magnolia. Yeah. like nothing was that far south i don't know mm-hmm. what direction and now it's like expanded past and on to south that. and it's like yeah. this whole area is this is a tourist destination yeah. now i mean it really is yeah, so. it was it was we ha- we helped sort of m- pave the way for that i don't think we caused it but we were early adopters in it same with south maine south maine there was nothing on yeah. south maine and when we did our little the 411 mm-hmm. and those retail spots we were the first retail on 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 the street and now it's like, man, South made it so, it's so cool. cool. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was nothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I grew up in Fairmount. Like Fairmount is, I mean, I grew up as an adult in Fairmount. I like mm-hmm. lived in apartments and like walked to the chat room and stuff. And yeah. just, yeah, where it was, you know, when I was in my 20s to where it is now, it's like an entirely different Fort Worth. It totally, yeah. It's an, it's a, but it's a bigger, better, more, um, the, the character of Fort Worth yeah. is it's still funky. Out. Yeah. It's still super It's still funky. funky. There's a great scene. There's a great art scene, a great music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Brood, perpet- I think Brood helped like launch some of that in yeah. a lot of ways, especially on Magnolia. Yeah. I will, I will boldly claim that. I, I think you should. I think we did. Yeah. And I got to like, that was my first time, like with the band, you know, we had a handful of employees with Brood. We had like 70 employees. Oh, I didn't realize it was that many. I mean, yeah. For, the, for a small, I mean, you guys, I mean, it was. I mean, it's a, a restaurant. Like, yeah, but so you had front lot. of house, back of house, front of house, back of house, servers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a giant. Mm-hmm. So that learned a lot of things there. I bet you did as, as as well. So let me so let me ask this, and I think like as a small business owner, especially as you're expanding and you're coming with about new ideas and you're you know for, forming your mission. I mean, it's just constant risk. Like the idea of starting something new is a risk. The idea of bringing someone like me in and and letting them, you know, take over is a risk. How do you, you know, starting everything that you've done, say this is a risk I'm willing to take? Like, how do you mitigate that mm. when you're when you're getting ready for to launch something or do something? Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a good question. I I feel like I I do very quick sort of risk calculations in my head and mm-hmm. kind of. And again, I'm not super super motivated by money. It's more of like, is it fun? If it's fun, I'm like doing the it. challenge. The, the challenge, but but I would I would say I I naturally have a high risk mm-hmm. tolerance. 
Um, and you know, a, a, a big, a big part of like, just in terms of like chasing your dreams and doing what you love and having the freedom, you know, from chasing music, you know, mm-hmm. everyone would say that's a bad idea, you know, drop, oh, sure. drop out of college and play. You're music. not going to make any money. Yeah, you're not gonna make any money. But, um, I, I've, I've told the story before. I don't know if I've told it on here, but I, so I was a philosophy major in, mm-hmm. um, college. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love. so checks out. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of checks out. <laughs> uh, just because it was fun. Um, but I, I remember I was in an existentialism class and I'm going to get kind of. I love existentialism. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little weird here. I'm ready to get full, I'm ready. Let's full do it. So existentialism is, you know, uh, from the 19, mid 19, 1920s and stuff. Uh, the, the, the fundamental idea of it is, is existence precedes essence. You exist, you're born, there's there's no real meaning. Life is kind mm-hmm. of, and so because there's no real meaning, you get to create your own meaning. Mm-hmm. So you exist and then you, there's essence. So then you create essence versus like traditional philosophy is like you're born with a purpose and all these mm-hmm. things. Anyways, so existential was kind of this this new thing on the scene a hundred mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, but I, I read this book by, I think it was Albert Camus, The mm-hmm. Myth of Sisyphus. Anyways, the whole idea is like life is meaningless and so there's freedom because of that. And I was like, man, well, that sounds kind of depressing. And so I, I, and and for me, like I, I, my, my, my faith and my like theology has Mm -hmm. always been a big, big part of what, what I do. And part part of that is I believe there's a, there's a God who, who loves me and no matter what I do, he's still going to love me. And I'm like, I can't earn salvation. I can't earn, Mm -hmm. earn these things. Like my, my future, future is secure regardless of what I do. I can't mess it up. So anyways, I remember being in this existentialism class um, and having this dialogue with Dr. Hester, who still lives in Fairmount's philosophy professor. I, I love, love, love. Um, anyways, I was like, this idea of if there's no meaning in life, that and, but that's freedom, that sounds really depressing. I was like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't there way more freedom like if you had a lotto ticket in your pocket mm-hmm. and you knew it was a billion dollar winning lotto ticket and no matter what you, you know, if you had that in your pocket, you would kind of live life however you want it because you're like, I can't mess it up. Mm-hmm. The end is good. And so that's, you know, from a theological, philosophical perspective, I'm like, God loves me. I know where my end is. Mm-hmm. I can take risk and chase my dreams without this fear of failure. Yeah. And so, I don't know, that's that's a weird answer, but I, I feel like that has played a role. I'm like, why not pursue music? What have I got to lose? Yeah. Can't lose anything. Why, why not? Let's open a restaurant. Why not? What's the worst can happen? I can lose my money, but... Right, but... You know, well, you'll figure it out. Yeah, I figure it out. So yeah. I, I think you know, I have become more risk averse as mm-hmm. I've gotten older because I've burned my hand a lot on touching the stove. Yeah, uh, and I have kids now, but but at the time I'm like, man, I I can't really mess up because if if God is for me, even if I lose my money, if the business fails, it's like mm-hmm. I I know what the end is. I got a lotto ticket in my pocket. It's the analogy I like to say and use. Yeah, that's interesting that you're talking about. I I am very much an existentialist, and I okay. very much have the belief of. Nothing matters, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It, but it's like brought me so much peace in my life because mm-hmm. it's like yeah, like due to what you're saying. Because a great wide open. Why not? Yeah, like why, why not? not? There's a great wide open. Yeah, you, you you don't have. What's cool about it is you don't have this conformity. Of you have to do right a certain thing, and a lot of people have. Uh, and so much that like both both of it is you just have you have a fear, mm-hmm. and fear keeps you from doing things you love, from taking risks. And when but you're, you don't let fear. Hold you back. I try try or not to. Or do you have fear? Yeah, we all we all have <laughs> we all have. Fears. I mean, you're. I just feel like you're very fearless in in your your at least your entrepreneurial endeavors. Yeah, you know, and I think part, yeah. yeah, part part because of money. Like 
if I lost all of my money, mm-hmm. I think I would be totally fine. Yeah. And that's a very privileged thing to say. It is, but um, but it also is a peaceful thing to yeah. say. It's, yeah. But it would be like losing my family, like that is different. Mm-hmm. I, I I have fears, but I don't, I try not to have a lot of fears. And I don't, maybe there's something wrong with my brain. No, I think that's a good, <laughs> I think that's a good way to live. Yeah. I think you're, people are so held back by fears, like yeah. what you're saying. And do what you love. Like you're someone who does dumb what you love. Mm-hmm. And life is way, you get one shot at life. It's right. way too short. Right. Why not? Just do it. Yeah. Just try. Just try. You know, what's the worst? You end up yeah. right back where you were yeah. if it doesn't work out. So here we are. We're already talking about existentialism. I love it. This religion. got real deep real fast. <laughs> God <laughs> and fear. This well, is good. Well, let me let me ask let me ask this too. You know, so I so I work at I work at Six F Storytelling. Um, and, and we're a marketing agency. We're supporting mm. small businesses in Fort Worth and DFW. I love this mission. I love what we do. This is going to be, this is a rough question. Why did you decide to start a marketing agency without a background in marketing? Like what? Like, yeah. like and again, you like one of the, the great things about you is you're not afraid of risk. You'll mm-hmm. jump in and you'll do it. And obviously you had background in marketing brood. You, you had marketed the band. Like it's not like you didn't have experience, but you didn't like go to school for it. No. You didn't like worked in an agency. So no. coming in and saying, I'm going to start a marketing agency. I'm, I'm going to solve problems for small business owners. What sparked you to do that? Um, yeah, that's a good that's a good question. So, I, so I think there's this lack of fear, mm-hmm. which is sort of a superpower and an Achilles heel. Like sure. You get trouble. And then there's also a confidence. Uh, one of my favorite quotes about entrepreneurship is from Yvonne Chouinard, who's the founder founder of Patagonia, and he said, "Entrepreneurs are a lot like juvenile delinquents because uh, they think I can do it and I can do it better, and I don't care what the consequences are." Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Right. There's an arrogance as well. And I'm like, <laughs> I think I can do it better. Yeah. Like generally, all, all the companies I've started, I'm like, I can do it better than anybody else, mm-hmm. which is a superpower and a giant weakness. Yeah. Gets you into trouble. But, you know, I, I think why start a marketing company in an agency having never done it and not going to school from that and not having a business model for that? I, I it, it, One, it was a kind of out of necessity. All the mm. businesses I've had have hired a lot of marketing companies. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are great. And almost all of them, you know, could make me a logo, could do a big photo shoot, could make me a website. But I would then spend all of this time redoing the website because I, I felt like they didn't understand leads. They didn't understand my business. So they didn't get us. Um, and I also kept, you know, trying to outsource. I, I, we have, we've, I've grown all my businesses primarily by telling stories and producing content. Mm-hmm. Social media is a huge part of that, inviting people into a story. It's how we marketed the band. And every time I tried to outsource it, Say, hey, can you take over my social media? It was just terrible. Mm-hmm. I always felt like a guy in the office with no connection to who, to who we were and what, what we were doing. And and I think I'm also a big believer like like pretty graphics don't sell things, words sell mm-hmm. things. And so these marketing companies were so caught up with logos and all the which are great logos, mm-hmm. branding, super and really important. important in telling the story. They're not. It's 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 like if you have that. Along with the yeah, story, it's, it's, you can, it's not a standalone. But it, but they were like, "Here's this beautiful website," but it's like, "What does it say?" Yeah, uh, you know. And so, a, a part of my frustration was I never took the time to articulate or understand my story. Mm-hmm. So we kept joking, hiring marketing companies, firing marketing companies, hiring marketing companies, firing marketing companies. Um, they also kept just saying, "Like, here's the one thing you need: you need SEO, mm-hmm. or you need digital ads, or you need." And I'm like, "You need a lot of things." Mm-hmm. So, anyways, kept kept hiring and firing. And I was like, "Man, we I, we should just start our own." And I had always, I was always the marketer in the band. I was the marketer mm-hmm. in the restaurant. I was helped Melissa market the net. I was the marketer in the real estate company. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm way more of a marketer than I am a 
real estate guy. Yeah. Um, or even a musician. There's hundred way, way better guitar players than me. Um, so anyways, there was an arrogance of, we should start our own. We could, mm-hmm. we could do this. Um, and at, at the time I was doing a lot of, of, of consulting, uh, for a family, family office that owns lots of down, downtown, mm-hmm. <laughs> it gives away who it is, but, uh, <laughs> doing a bunch of consulting for, for them and, and on some cool real estate projects and, and they approached me and said, Hey, would you want to take over our marketing? And I was like, yes. Now's the chance. Now's why the not? Chance. So I said, why not? Yeah. You know, literally left a meeting and said, yes, I can do that. And then got hired to take over all their marketing for a bunch of organizations, you know, downtown, hired mm-hmm. a team and it was a blast. And we, and we, we had, they had the most visitors they had had downtown mm-hmm. in like nine years. The restaurants we were doing, the revenue was up 20%. So it's like, what we were doing works. So right. anyways, when, co- when COVID hit, we're like small businesses and entrepreneurs need what we're doing now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start this thing. So Sixth Avenue Story, so we were doing it for about a, a little less than a year before that, kind of for this family office and for my businesses. Mm-hmm. And then when COVID hit, we launched Sixth Avenue Storytime. So mm-hmm. there's some arrogance there. The, we have, I have had to learn a lot of things about an agency and systems, mm-hmm. and, which is part of why we brought you in. Yeah, you, yeah. You are a systems operator. Yes. And you had to come in. Ba- and, that is what I do. That's what you do. And we had no systems, really. Well, I don't, not no systems. No, I, yeah, I think you all had systems, but it's yeah. like, but it's, you know, and this is a challenge of all small yeah. business owners. You get to a point where you're like, okay, do we scale or do you, do we stay comfortable? Yeah. And when you're ready to scale, you do have to expand your systems. You do have to, you know, to think bigger. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where you guys are at, which I've loved being a part of. I mean, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a dream. Yeah. So. And you came from an agency, true agency. Are you a small business owner or an entrepreneur? Do you do marketing for a small business? If so, I have something that I want to give you and it's totally for free. We've put together a free resource at 6fstorytelling.com slash download. And it's the secrets, it's the tips, it's the tricks, it's the tools of the trade. It's literally everything we do at 6F Storytelling to help small businesses grow. Go download it today at 6fstorytelling.com slash download. I came from an agency world, like international, global, working, you know, follow mm-hmm. the sun teams, which which was like, I learned every, I learned everything doing yeah. that. But then I took all of that and learned how to build internal marketing teams. So I've like, I've been able to see both sides of mm-hmm. that, which I think has helped me, especially speaking to small business owners, because I really do understand the internal workings of like mm-hmm. everything that has to go on internally when you don't have the support or the team that you need. So yeah. I think it's been, I think it's been a great fit for me at, at six now for sure. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, operators like, like I need someone like you in my life mm-hmm. for, to, to build the system and make it scalable and make it repeatable. Um, yeah. I, I, th- I think there's also like, when I look at, when I look at Brew, when I look at Sixth Avenue Homes, what we've done there. Um, and when I look at Sixth Avenue Storytelling, which I, I'm so proud of what, where mm. we are and what we've built and the clients we work with. I think there's also a, a blessing to uh, in naivety, you know, because mm. if you when you go to school for something, when you grow up in an industry, when you work at like you, you hear this is the way it's always been done. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have no idea how it's always been done. Mm-hmm. We're just going to kind of make it up as we go and trust our gut and take risks and we're adventuresome in it. And so, you know, but so- I think that's why I think that's. That is what, that is a superpower. Yeah. That's why, that's why you do what you do. And that's yeah. why you're good at what you do. And I'm not, I'm don't have that bravery. Like I don't have that, 
that um that drive and and that's mm-hmm. I've always been like I want to support entrepreneurs mm-hmm. be, but I'm not an entrepreneur yeah. and so I feel like I've learned a lot from you just about like diving in and doing it and let, like let's just figure it out and like yeah. let's run in and like watching you just like you you've, you've become way more <laughs> adventurous in that I have yeah. I've become way less risk averse yeah. which like as an operator as a second in command like your whole job is like risk <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. risk assessment and like should we actually do this or should we yeah. not do this but I feel like I've learned I've learned that just watching you and watching you guys and like yeah. it is a skill it's a skill to yeah. just take to take stuff on it is I, i'm a i'm a big believer that you can you can always figure out how to do something mm-hmm. no matter what you can figure out how to do something uh but as, what's important is like why are you doing it what's mm-hmm. the motivation what's the what's the meaning behind it and so kind of you know very early on jimmy and i with sixth avenue we said man we're gonna we can figure out how to do this. We can figure out, how, even with the, with all of it, you figure out how to do it. But if you're passionate about something, you believe in something, you have a great idea and you want to do it, you can figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. You just, what's the next right thing? Yeah. What's the next right thing? So let me, let me ask you this. Um, you're, I, I know you, I see you every day. We talk all the time. You're a busy person. You got two kids. You know, Melissa's got the net. You're going, mm-hmm. How, do, what is your routine like? Cause you also mm-hmm. like read every book and listen to every podcast and and you I think being a philosophy major it makes so much sense just because you're constantly absorbing philosophy in other people so so how how do you do that how do you do it um what's ju- your routine juggle so much I love you asking my routines you probably ask me about routines because I'm like please talk about I love routines I know you do, but I'm curious about it because I there's so m- I have such a backlog of books and things that I need to read and you're always like oh yeah I read that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm done. That's great. You should read it. <laughs> I I would say you know one there there's no easy way to to do it like juggling lots of things like again superpower he'll kill you. I feel like mm-hmm. almost everything has both of those. It's like kind of my weakness is I take on too much and burn out and you know. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, it's also my my superpower. But so I I, I I I'm obsessed with habits. I think having small micro decisions. Um, mm. Small little things that you can do can help you optimize and like almost like set your day up for success. Like if 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 I can stack the odds, mm-hmm. if I'm thinking about what's my best day, my dream day, my most productive day, the day where I'm the most loving and kind and have joy, if if I can stack the odds in favor for that, mm-hmm. uh uh, the 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 chance of the outcome is is much higher. Okay, if, if that makes if that it makes does. sense. So I, I like to think of how it's like can playing I, a game with yourself. A little game bit. like yeah. what can I stack those? And every day, yesterday I didn't have didn't have a good day. Um, <laughs> but so, some but but my, so my thought is like if I can have a small habits and a routine in the morning. I'm very regimented in my morning routine and my nighttime routine. If I can prime my day, stack the odds. If I can end my day, stack the odds. So, mm-hmm. so I think p- part of juggling on part of it, like, you know, handling stress, we've had a l- very stressful year mm-hmm. in our companies. The economy has been crazy. So, mm-hmm. but also like my ability to handle stress and hard things and a, a mo- like, it's way better if I'm intentional in the morning and, mm-hmm. and intentional. And regimented. And, yeah. So I, yeah. so I wake up at like 4.30 or 5, between 4.30 and 5. And no matter what, every day I go downstairs and I drink this odd concoction of water and apple cider vinegar and ginger and then have a little like energy drink and and then i then i read so i, I tried it the mm-hmm. whole house is okay. asleep so no matter what 
15, 20 minutes. I'll read read the Bible. I'll journal a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll pray. Sometimes I'd, I'll try to write my wife or my family a, a little letter. So I just journal. Like, That's I, great. I, th- I think, what do I need to do today? I try to prioritize. So I do that. And then I try to, I try to work out mm-hmm. 20, 30 minutes. And I work out at home because, it's, mm-hmm. again, it's if I'm stacking the odds, chances of going to a gym is right. just got to put on clothes. Being traffic. Yeah. So it's cold, too hot. So yeah. I just do some, I just try to sweat a little bit every day. So I mm-hmm. work out, do that, and then get the kids going. And so if, if, if I do those things, and also I, it's so, so routine now, I don't even think about it. I don't yeah. have to turn my brain on, but it's just a little bit of quiet, a little bit of sweat, a little bit of reading, you know helps set my day. And then, and I've also just tried to have the habit of like, when I drop the kids off, put on an audiobook. Mm, so I don't listen okay. to music hardly in the car. I listen to audiobooks. That's how I consume. Okay. Consume, consume all the books. I listen to audiobooks. Okay. Just in, in the car. If I can have 10 minute drive time and I can get a little bit of a book in. Um, and then at, at night, you know, I, I try to, uh, I keep my phone in the bathroom because mm-hmm. if I have my we've phone, talked about this yeah, if I have my phone by my bed I'm gonna start checking I'm not Instagram. brave enough to do that yet oh, but I, so I've thought about it <laughs> that's yeah so I'm like it's so distracting so I put my phone in the in in the the other room I have these like goofy glasses mm-hmm. I have these blue blocking glasses I've put on <laughs> I love those glasses. <laughs> help your circadian rhythms and then I then I'll, I'll I'll read for like five to thirty minutes so you're reading you are like absorbing all day like you are finding to. pockets throughout your day yeah to take in information. Yeah. Yeah. In wow. in the car, I'm always taking, like this was an audiobook on the way here, mm-hmm. seven minute drive. And then at night, n- at night I try to read something a little more fun. In the car, it's generally like self-help or business mm-hmm. help or something, you know, marketing or something like that or a bio. But it, it, at night, like right now I'm it, by my bed, I'm reading a book about the Comanche Indians. Oh, that's cool. The Empire of the Western Sun. So you're still even just reading nonfiction too. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> that's my routine. So the sentiment is, is like small habits can make a huge difference. And mm-hmm. the point of the habits is, is also is, is how to stack the odds in your favor of having a, a good day. Yeah. So if I don't do those things, mm-hmm. you know, I feel very off. It's very hard. It's much mm. harder to deal with stress if I'm not doing my routines. How long How long do you feel like it took you to build? You're saying it's like it's habitual. You don't even think about it. How long did it take you to get to that point? COVID. Really was COVID? Yeah. COVID was so stressful. Yeah. And so hard. I mean, for every, everybody. But it was literally COVID. I'm like, my world is crumbling. Mm-hmm. Um you know, because I at the time I like I had four or five businesses, and yeah, did were, anything? Co- I mean, did any of your businesses collapse during COVID or had no, any issues? I think you know what the government did really helped, like yeah, saved all of them with mm-hmm. the PPC loans and all that stuff, and and then real estate wound up taking off in a crazy way. But at the That's time, true. all of these businesses revenue went from here to like zero mm-hmm. my rental properties I was like how am I gonna pay my mortgage there was so much stress mm-hmm. and I was like freaking the heck out mm-hmm. um and so I was like man I I cannot control anything that is happening with my businesses I can't control anything that's happening outside the world but I can control me mm-hmm. and so that's literally when mm. I started waking up early that's when I started working out um really wasn't doing that before that I was like that's the only thing I control I can control me yeah I can spend some time with God. I can take care of my body. And then it just helped me de-stress a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of stuck. So it's like when the when the shit hits the fan. <laughs> no, you you're know, right. Take control of what you can. Take control of what you can. And now it's 
a habit. It's routine. It's, a, it's yeah. It's and you're better for it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about that more. Like, so you started a business during COVID. You've already talked mm-hmm. about that. Um, you know, uh, since COVID, I feel like the economy, the world has still been in turmoil. Like mm-hmm. things are still all, all over the place. You know, 2023, you know, was a rough year. There were huge layoffs in all these industries. Mm-hmm. So there's still, I feel like it's not the same as COVID, but there's still this turmoil. What would your advice be to people that are like, like I'm ready to get out of this sort of miserable grind of everything that's going on and, and start my own thing, knowing that there's still kind of this turmoil going on and having done it? Yeah. Um, advice to someone looking to kind of start something. Like right now, like if someone was like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to start something, even though I don't know what the next year is going to look like for the economy or. Yeah. I I think like there's never a good time. And if you tell yourself, I want to wait for this good time. There's never a good time. It's like, it's like being prepared for a kid. You're never Mm -hmm. like emotionally prepared to have a child. You figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there's the one, there's never a good time. That's a myth. That's a, that's an, that's an excuse. Um, that you, that you would tell yourself. And then two, you know, p- part, so co- part of when COVID was so stressful and, and Jimmy and I said, you know, everyone else is going to bury their heads down. We're, that we're going to seize this as an opportunity. Mm. Everything, mm. there's always opportunities and the, the businesses, the, the power of an entrepreneur is they can pivot, they can change, right. they can, they, they can turn on a dime. You have giant, to. Giant yeah. companies can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think even with a bad economy, there are opportunities like mm-hmm. disruption and the con- like, and and the people that get successful are the ones that are like part of like so storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, I said we launched that in COVID. Part of it was like the, the family office we're working for was like we got to stop everything. And I have this team of six or seven people, mm-hmm. and I'm also like, what we're doing is super important. Let's launch this company. Mm-hmm. It was this terrible hard thing created an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we sees that yeah uh, and so i think in, in this economy right now you know there's there are opportunities there and so i think you just you gotta you gotta take take the risk mm-hmm. and, and do it no that's perfect you're totally right there's no it's there's never the right time it's never always right just time. gonna happen so during covid um so you know starting starting the company getting everything set up were there like specific challenges that you just hadn't dealt with when opening your, any of your other businesses before because of COVID. Um, what, elaborate on that a little bit. Well, you know, like, like were y'all working from home or were you in the office? Like how did you handle starting a company and build starting infrastructure while everybody was in quarantine, you know? Yeah. Yeah, It, it, the virtual stuff mm-hmm. helped the zoom calls. I, there, there came a point where we were doing a lot. We still do a lot of that. I still, yeah. Um, we're pretty hybrid. We're, we're pretty, yeah. we're pretty hybrid. And, and my philosophy has always also has been like people work best when they take care of themselves and when they take care of their families. Mm-hmm. We've always had like come and go. It's not set hours. If you got to take your kid to the doctor, your dog to the vet, right? go do it. Um, I'm trying like, I don't, I don't know if there's any like specific. There weren't any like unique challenges. There were, uh, yeah, there, it was all unique challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, the thing I just realized was the, the businesses that know how to tell a story, the businesses that are telling a story, the businesses that have a following are the ones that are going to survive. Mm-hmm. Same with this economy right now. The mm-hmm. businesses that are put, telling a story and inviting people into it and have a followers to communicate their message to are the ones that are going to survive this. Mm-hmm. 
and which is what, what we do at Storytelling. We're passionate about how do we help entrepreneurs and small businesses tell their story and market and build a following and build a brand and reach people and communicate to people. Mm-hmm. And so that was the biggest aha moment. That was mm-hmm. why we started it. It was like small businesses need this because I, I, I work with entrepreneurs. We work with entrepreneurs every day. Mm-hmm. Small business, I, t- I talk to small business owners every single day. And always the, it's, it's often the case that someone's really good at what they do or has a great product or has a great service or I, I have these certifications. I'm, really, I'm great. But, but just because you do that, like it's the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come mm. is not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't buy the best product. People don't buy the best service. They buy the brand that tells the best story. Mm-hmm. That's why I always use this example. That's why I have an Apple iPhone. There are better phones with more megapixels, but I have bought into the Apple story. Mm-hmm. And so I think big, the biggest thing for me with, with COVID was like, Small business owners and entrepreneurs need to be telling their story and producing content and have a plan to do that. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, part of what our mission is, part of, I think, my my mission now as an entrepreneur is to help other entrepreneurs and to launch things, mm-hmm. is to give give people a playbook and a plan uh, to market and grow their business. Yeah. Because I, I always use the example of like, you know, if you go to an agency, they're like, you need SEO or you need this thing or or you need, you know, you need a good CPA, whatever it is. There's mm-hmm. all these kind of business gurus and they give you one thing. And I'm like, you don't need one tool. You need a full tool belt. You need a mm-hmm. comprehensive plan. And so it's sort of been my life's mission the past three years to like, how do I, how do I create a foolproof plan mm-hmm. um, that helps a small business grow? Can mm-hmm. I give them? Because it, when you go to business school, they're not teaching you how to run a small business. Not teaching you how to be on. They're teaching you like about finance and mm-hmm. Wall Street and funds. And mm-hmm. It's like for bit. It's big. It's a different world than like I have a restaurant or mm-hmm. I have a record shop right. or I have an ice cream store or I'm a solo lawyer. Mm-hmm. I went to law school, but they don't teach you how to grow a how business. to grow it. Yeah. So anyway, so I think a lot of that was birthed out of COVID. Yeah. Um, that that really like solidified our our mission. I also like I also realized getting into the agency world. Mm-hmm. Um, that most agencies and marketing companies want to work with giant companies. Right. They want to work with Coca-Cola and Costco, McDonald's. Or Doritos mm-hmm. and McDonald's. And I'm like, I do not want to do that. Mm-hmm. I, we are storytelling. We're passionate about small businesses and entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, they're kind of a neglected group, mm-hmm. you know, cause they have less money. Mm-hmm. You know, right. The ice cream shop has way less money than McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, that was yeah. long. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. So, so let's talk about that. So, so what, what we do at six Ave storytelling is we, we build the whole strategy. We build an end to end strategy. We call it the storytelling pathway. Can mm-hmm. you walk through from a very high level? What is the storytelling pathway? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Ed, the storytelling pathway at its core is just a, a plan, a comprehensive plan to grow your business. See, these are all the things that I think an entrepreneur or small business owner needs. Um, and so I, what I did was I, I looked at all the businesses I've started and been a part of and my friends. And I'm like, what are all the things that worked? What are the things that didn't work? Mm-hmm. And so in, in, our, in our plan, our playbook, and our checklist, there's essentially four phases. Mm-hmm. And, and the key to all of those is this idea of storytelling telling a compelling story, using story as this underarching narrative. So the phase one is your, is your foundation. And so I think every great brand has to have, we talked about earlier, logos and brand identities mm-hmm. and, and colors. I think you also need photography. Mm-hmm. Photography is a big part of that. And you need a photo, photo identity. You know, this mm-hmm. is the look and feel of your photography. You can't just have random photo shoots that don't 
a line. You can't just use stock or just footage. random stock footage yeah. that doesn't work together. Yeah, if I see a website with stock footage, I know instantly. It just feels inauthentic. Mm -hmm. So you have your branding, you have your logos, and I think the most important part of all those is language. Mm -hmm. And that to me what was always neglected. I always hired agencies and, and I hear from entrepreneurs like I hired a marketing company and they didn't get me. The reason they didn't get you is because they didn't know how to articulate your story. So part of what we do is we help I always say, you know, go from your lips to your fingertips. Mm -hmm. Get the story of the business down on paper. We create lots of language. And when we say storytelling, storytelling is a very fluffy phrase. Mm -hmm. But there's two stories we tell. There's your story as the entrepreneur, as the business, as the business owner, why do you do it? What's the heart behind it? What's the mission? How did you, like, if, as you've sat here and heard my story, you feel more connected to me. Mm -hmm. When you hear someone's story, you feel connected. Uh, it, stories build trust. So that the bio, why do you do it? What's the heart behind it? What's your story? It's the first story. The second story is your customer story. And so that is almost more important. You know, your, your customers ultimately interested in, in themselves. Mm -hmm. And so for six, seven storytelling, we're a marketing company. You know, no one wakes up and is like, I really want a marketing company. What they want is to grow their business. Mm -hmm. What they want is to make more money. What they want is to make more leads. And so how do we tell that story? It's you oriented language. Six, seven homes. No one wakes up and is like, I want a real estate agent. What they want is a home. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, so we craft language around those two stories. So phase one is your foundation, mm -hmm. branding, photography, language. Phase two is now taking your story, taking those things and putting it in tools. So we call them story tools. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I like to think of them as your traps. If someone mm -hmm. comes into my world, how do I trap? <laughs> That's such a funny way. It's like, it's funnels. I think funnels, funnels is yeah. more traditional, funnels. but I like traps. Yeah. I'm going to start saying this is your yeah. marketing trap. That's what yeah, I say. I say, because I'm like, if someone comes on my website, I want to trap them and get them to do something. Yeah. And so that's your website. And I think most people's websites don't work. They don't trap mm -hmm. people. They don't funnel people. They don't make them money. So how do you use story to do that? I think it's your brochures. I think it's, mm -hmm. I think everything should be a brand deposit. When I send a, mm. a proposal, most people, their proposal is like a Word document. Mine is like, tells a story. Mm -hmm. So it's getting all your tools in place, your lead generators. Mm -hmm. um, your place, email sequences. Your email sequences. So it's getting all the tools in place. We sort of have a checklist and a philosophy and framework for all those. Mm -hmm. Third phase is the act of storytelling. So I got my foundation. I got my tools in place, my traps, so to speak. And now I'm going to take my story and share it over and over and over and over and over again. So we, we have, that includes social media, mm -hmm. that includes your email newsletters, uh, that includes paid advertising, that includes thought leadership content. It's, it's a volume game. Mm -hmm. uh, it includes PR, it includes SEO. Mm -hmm. So, so it's the act of story. You can't, it's not one and done. This big campaign is, you've got, it's, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. That's phase three. And then phase four is what do you do with your existing customers, mm -hmm. which most people don't think about. Uh, how do you, how do you keep them customers for life? And how do you make them ambassadors for your mm -hmm. for your brand? And so we have a, a, a few a few things in there as well that we think to do. So my the sentiment is, let me give you a checklist. Let me give you a playbook. Let me give you a strategy for all of these things. And if you do all of these things, I guarantee you, your business is gonna it's gonna mm -hmm. grow. It's gonna it's gonna do well. I mean, granted, you have to have stuff. You have to get business. But and if I'm hedging the bets, uh, so that's 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 our framework. That's what we do at Storytelling. Mm -hmm. It's called the Storytelling Pathway. We talk about it. I advertise it here. Yeah. We, we give it away from free. We teach it. And so we we teach it. We coach on it. We do it for people. We can. We want it to people. be accessible. Yeah, we, we want it to be accessible. Yeah. Like, I mean, and anyone can do it. And and mm -hmm. uh, I think we're still trying to find ways to make it even more accessible yeah. and continue to push it because yeah. it is really powerful to have it all laid out. 
Yeah. To really understand end to end. This is what now looks like. This is what. Yeah. And I did not have that. Yeah. I did not, you know, we, we really created it because I'm like, man, I wish I had some of this stuff. Yeah. I'm kind of just shooting in the dark and guessing, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of business owners do. Yeah. So I, I know that like, you know, con- like content, the, the bespoke photography, like you talking about that, that's a, that's a big, big, big piece of what we do. I think we've in the last year, you know, we've seen, I, I've seen our, our, our clients have like two to three times engagement rates of industry standards. Like we see really great performance. Uh, and now, you know, moving into 2024, we're really digging into expanding that into paid and digital and SEO. So when you've had these agencies coming in the past saying you just need SEO or you just need paid ads, what is your experience been with other agencies like that and 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 how, like where how do you want to do that differently as we move into those services yeah I, well I think for, first of like you you have to have all of it you can't mm-hmm. like all the things I just described you can't just do one thing right if you just it do, doesn't work in isolation and so I think it starts with story and then you got to reach more people and so mm-hmm. you know the times I, ha- I I have in the past spent a lot of money on on SEO or paid ads. I felt like I was just lighting money on fire. Mm-hmm. Partly because I don't think it, it was story driven. I think it was part of it. But but I think, you, you know, you, you, there's a, there's a, there is an element of like to reach more people, you have to pay, you have to pay, right. to, pay play. to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think having, you know, strategy to do that. But when you, when you do it in a story driven way, like mm-hmm. if, if I start to tell you a story, you know, yesterday I climbed a tree and it's like, what? You know, yesterday I climbed a tree because a bunch of dogs were attacked. Like, mm-hmm. if I start to tell a story, you, you perk up. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think all of those other, those things become way more effective when mm-hmm. it's compelling and meaningful and authentic and there's a, a, a story there. Mm-hmm. And so I just think as an entrepreneur, depending on where you're at, you know, your business needs different things at different times. Mm-hmm. And as you hit certain stages of growth, you have to expand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so for, for us, you know, social media was such a huge part of it. That's how I built all my brands. But like, to grow beyond that, man, I got this following now, you know, I, I, I need to, you know, we're, we're experimenting, experiencing, experimenting more internally just with our paid right. Google stuff and social ads and those things. So I think it's a, you got to constantly experience, experiment, mm-hmm. you got to do more, more things you need, you need, you know, to use like a financial term, you have to diversify. Mm-hmm. You have to have, you know, things that are a little less risky and things that are more risky and things mm-hmm. that, so I don't know if that answers the No, I think that question. I think that's good. Um, so let's see here. Um okay, let me just take a minute. This has been a this has been good. I feel like I need to regroup a little bit. Is there anything we haven't talked about yet that you really want to dig into? Um we haven't talked a lot about I want to talk about leadership. Yeah, I was gonna say leadership and team and people yeah. and humans and Okay. Okay, so well, okay, let's do that. So Okay, so building a team is like one of the biggest challenges of small business owners, of of anyone. Like like mm-hmm. the people operations and the people management is it's constant, it's ongoing, and it's it's a real like uphill battle. And I think I think we've had a lot of learnings as leaders this year mm-hmm. about like ways to take care of our people, ways to make sure we're offering you know, benefits and, and, and reasons our team want to stay. What has been one of the biggest learnings that you've had in the last year as a leader? Um, learnings, I, I, you know, I think so, some of my biggest mistakes as a business owner, as a leader have come from one, one I said that, you know, not paying attention to the numbers as much. Mm-hmm. And the second one is, is not being 
more intentional and strategic with my hiring and firing. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, and so I think really taking your time to find the right person is super important. Mm-hmm. And then having the wrong person on, on the team, you know, I have, I've tolerated, you know, poor performance or not having the right, like for way, way, way too long. And it mm-hmm. costs, it causes so much heartache and headache. And it costs a, money. It costs so much money. Yeah. And so I've, I've made a lot of mistakes of just like, I like this person a lot, right. but I know they're in the wrong, wrong role. And man, it just caused, or I, I hired way too quickly. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't do. So, you know, part, part of our, on the hiring side, you know, call references mm-hmm. out of like, I always joke, you know, I've, I've employed hundreds of people and the amount of other businesses that actually call me to reference check is like, I can count on one hand. Mm-hmm. So, so call references, uh, and generally the references that the employee gives you are, they're always going to be the best ones. Yeah. And so when I'm in an interview, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I ask, you know, who is your boss? Who did you report to? And I write their name down. Mm. And at the end of the interview, I'm like, can you give me that person's phone number? I want to, I want to talk to their actual boss. Yeah. So one, do that. We also, we use a uh, personality profiling thing called culture index. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool tool just to see how someone works and there's no right or wrong to it, but but just, you you know, you want to hire certain people for certain things. And, mm-hmm. and so that's that's been super helpful. And just taking your taking your time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times out of desperation, I just move really fast. Right. Like, that was a mistake. And then same with firing. Like, yeah, I can't tell you how, you, you know, I can tell you how much <laughs> heartache it, it cost right. to have someone in the wrong, in the wrong place. And I think, <laughs> you know, p- part, one of the, one of the mistakes I've made is when I don't make winning crystal clear, here's what Mm -hmm. I expect. Here's KPIs. Here's metrics. Here's a scorecard. When I don't give clarity on what winning is and what success is, um, I feel guilty about holding them accountable. Mm -hmm. So I have, there's been times where I haven't been intentional with clarifying their role and expectations and what done is, and then checking in on that. Um, People, one, people want that and need that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but providing clarity on that then allows you to make those decisions easier. Yeah. And so there's been times where like, I, f- I feel guilty because I haven't given them clarity. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, so I don't hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think those are, th- those are, those are big learnings. This those, year. Are, those are big things. And just giving people consistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think ha- I, I'm, you and I are both very passionate about operational systems. Mm-hmm. Which sounds very nerdy to I love it though. To talk about it. It but, is nerdy, but it's great. But in, in in all you know, in our world, operational systems are it's how you hire, it's your meeting structure, mm-hmm. it's what do your meetings look like. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you communicate with each you, other? How do you communicate? Um, how do you hold someone accountable? Mm-hmm. And so we we have a lot of things that we do that that make a huge difference in employee satisfaction and employee like mm-hmm. performance. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but it's still it's still hard. I think like one of the biggest learnings I've had as a leader this year at Sixth Ave is just like being a leader, being a small business owner, you know, being in the seat where you're making the decisions. I think there's this misconception of when you get to the top, everything's a breeze. And it's like mm-hmm. there's so much humanity. It, it, like good leaders, I think, are are vulnerable and and look at the human piece behind it. And when you're having to make these some of these cutthroat decisions and you're having to, you know, look at the money and say, like, well, this is a business at the end of the day. And these are the things we need to do. Like, yeah. like reconciling that against your personal feelings is it's just never it's never easy. And 
but it's also like you have to do it mm-hmm. as a small business owner. Yeah. And I think, you, you know, one of the things we, we have had to do that I'm, I think you're probably referring to is, is we, we've had to do a, a few layoffs mm-hmm. this year. Um, meaning I think when you fire someone, you're firing someone because of performance performance. and a layoff is when, man, I, I can't afford this. I can't afford them or, or, you know, what we're doing isn't working and this role doesn't make sense. And, and, or they're not, you know, we hire this person and they're great, but they're not what we need right now. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. It's, it's, it's hard. Like when, you know, from a corporate setting, it's like, it doesn't impact everyone as much when yeah. a layoff happens or a restructure change because it's like, oh, you know, this small percentage. But when you're a team of like 10, 20 people yeah. and one layoff happens, it it's impacts everyone. How do you lead a team through that kind of impact and change? Yeah, I think one, you have to do it way sooner. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of our mistakes is we waited way too long mm-hmm. because we're like, I don't want Because we like these people. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. so hard. Yeah. I think you need to do it quicker mm-hmm. because if the, if the organization is not profitable, you, you everyone's in jeopardy. So I think mm-hmm. one, doing it quicker. And I, I think two, just being transparent. I yeah. think, you know, we have learned lessons in in not funneling information down to the team mm-hmm. you know here's the state of finances here's the state of leads mm-hmm. here's the state of, of the, these things and so i think you know leave, be transparent like be op- open and honest about you know what people make and where you're at mm-hmm. i think I, I i think people people can handle more than you think they can yeah um but i think just make make those moves quicker and then just you know you you need to inspect what you expect and I'm really guilty of saying, here's what I want you to do, swing and swinging out mm-hmm. and not paying attention. And then I'm, in, you know, doing my own thing in my own little world. And then I come back like two months later, I'm like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you, you, I didn't inspect it. And so I think, you know, people want to do the right thing, but you're not serving yourself. You're not serving the business. You're not serving them when you're not checking and inspecting it, holding them accountable and, mm-hmm. and in, in, in the weeds there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you if you have any other insights in that. No, I think I think you're right. I th- I think like the transparency and I I think vulnerability and leadership is mm-hmm. extremely important again just because and I tell this to our team all the time like we're not curing cancer. Yeah. We are not rocket scientists. We're creating social media posts and while this is important for these businesses <clears throat> at the end of the day your the human side of you is more important. Your family mm-hmm. is more important. You know, so I think just like owning the human side from a leadership perspective, while it makes it hard when you have to go through those challenges of hiring and firing and all of that, like that is, that's what everybody needs. We just mm-hmm. need to be treated with respect and like human people. And yeah. it's really challenging. Yeah, But firing yeah. is the worst. It's the worst. It's never, it's, it's never great. It's never gets easier. Yeah. It's never like, it's, it's, I've done it a lot. <laughs> I've mm-hmm. done it a lot over the years. And uh, it's still, it's still, I still have to take like days sometimes yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Cause it, it just sucks so much. It, yeah. It, 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 yeah. It totally it sucks. Yeah. And just taking the time to train. I feel like sometimes we haven't, yeah. we haven't trained. Well, and when you're small business, you have to move so fast. Yeah. So, so yes, like building up your onboarding and training processes is so important. Um, let, let me ask this, um, you know, in relation to, to leadership and hiring. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> Hold on, I was going to ask you something good. <laughs> um, leadership style, team dynamics, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, okay. So as a small business owner, 
when you get to a point where you're ready to scale, you bring in someone like me, you bring mm-hmm. in a second in command, or you bring in someone where you're like, I am going to let go of the reins a little bit. This is my vision. This is what I want. I'm going to let you take that on. Like that is really hard. That's a really hard thing to do. Like giving your buy-in to other people on the team who maybe maybe have skills or experience that you don't have. You need to bring them in because you need to grow and scale. But it's hard to say, I can I can let go and I'm going to let go and I'm going to let you do the thing. Like how how do you handle that? Um. <laughs> it's a it, letting go it's a it's a constant battle yeah and I think I don't know there's a right or wrong to it I think one you you have to let go and you have to be sometimes you have to be okay with like if I did it myself it would be a 10 I'm gonna be okay right. with like a seven yeah. uh so there's an element of that because people have to learn they have to try it like again everything I've done I've learned by trying mm-hmm. learn by trying so I think there's there's that. And then you also like, I think creating clarity on what done is, is the yeah. most important piece. And I, sometimes I'm not good at that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do this thing. And I'm like, move this mountain. Everyone's like, what mountain? How far do you want to move it? When do you want us to move it? How do you want us to move it? Um, but I, I think creating clarity on what done is, what 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 winning is, what success looks like, and, and, and being granular there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like, you know, I, th- I think the neat thing of a team, the reason you hire more people is like people are better at you than other things. Right. And finding experts who are good and finding the best person. You know, we, one of the things we do is, is we want all A players on our team. Mm-hmm. And so we, we quarterly, every quarter as a leadership team, we are evaluate, we evaluate every single employee and we evaluate them essentially on this grid mm-hmm. of the, the, ac- the left side access that goes up and down is culture, you know, on a scale of one to 10. Where are they at on culture and aligning with our values? And this other side is like, is, is productivity and ability and, and get shit done. And so we literally map everybody out. Mm-hmm. And there's four quadrants and we want people to be in this A player mm-hmm. quadrant. Some people may be really high on culture, but they're not really good at their, their job. Or they may be really, really good at their job, but they don't align with culture. Mm-hmm. And so we want people who are aligned with culture. And, and, and so I think one, evaluating people on that and then making decisions on that can I coach someone up or do they need to get out I think yeah that, that's a big part of it um so that, that that's a tool that we use but I think you know and, and when you find someone who's an a player man you just you you let them do that you let them do it yeah and yeah. so I think even even for you mm-hmm. you know finding someone who's way better at, at, at the mean I think some of our 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 mis some of my mistakes with you is like not giving you clarity on you, the what done looks like yeah what done looks like yeah. or this is a thing i care a lot a lot a lot about and i'm going to micromanage on that and then i'm going to let go on other things right it's like when do you hold the line and when do you say i'm going to let you do it your mm-hmm. way but that's such a that's such a struggle i think for for any founder and any ceo yeah. when you get to that point where it's like this is my baby mm-hmm. this is my child i made this thing i grew this thing and now i'm going to you know trust you to take it like it's a it's a i think it's a turning point and it's a make or break point for mm-hmm. a lot of leaders and and ceos and founders yeah and it's it's hard to do and i would say like homes Six Avenue Homes has, is, you know, an older organization. It's a big organization. It's been around for, for longer. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with Homes, I am way more hands-off because I have really good leaders. Yeah. Homes. Like Lauren, who runs our construction, is way better mm-hmm. at all of that than I am, you know. Uh, it, you know, I have leaders in place who are really, really good at what they do, and I trust them now. Mm-hmm. They, like, 
it allowed me to be way more hands-off. Right. And that's freeing when that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with, with, with storytelling, we have some really great leaders in place, but it takes... But we're it still takes, building them. Still building We're still that, building yeah. and coaching those leaders. And we're also still, you know, I think we're, we're in such an early stage of the company still that we're still mm-hmm. kind of finding our footing on, on some of the products and some of the things. You know, we're, we're still like working with clients and learning new things mm-hmm. about about the way we want to be doing business. And, you know, that's, we're just in, in that early phase still. Yeah. Um, when, when it comes to company culture mm-hmm. and building company culture, what is your philosophy on that? Um, yeah. Cult, cult, you know, culture is, culture is a big deal and culture is also very nebulous. What, right. what the heck does that mean? I feel like, like it's hard to explain what culture is actually. It, it is. Culture is a set of behaviors or things that people do or a way of thinking. Um, so I, I, when I think of culture, I think there's, there's two parts to it. I think the first is maybe the more fluffy, warm side of it, mm-hmm. which, which is, you know, what, what, how, what do we think? What are the things that we value core, core values? And so for, for, for me, how do I create? And then the other half of, part of culture, I think, is what you tolerate. We, culture mm. is what you tolerate, too. Mm. So on the fluffy side, you know, I mentioned earlier, Jamie and I were very, very intention, intentional from day one of why do we do what we do? We mm-hmm. figure out how to do what we do. And so we were, we, because I had made mistakes with partnerships in the past where we did not align on values. We didn't take the time to articulate them. Mm-hmm. We didn't take the time to extract them. We didn't take the time to make sure, do we both agree this is how you do business? And so I made mistakes there. Six Avenue Homes and Six Avenue Storytelling, I did, I did not. I feel like I did that really well. And so I think it's the leader's job. It's the visionary's job. It's the founder's job to say, uh, what do we do? This is what we do. At Six Avenue Storytelling, what we do, our core purpose is we help entrepreneurs grow by telling them their story and giving them tools. At Six Avenue Homes, we help people buy, sell, remodel. Um, and so that's what we do. And then That's your core purpose. Then you have your mission, which is why do we do what we mm-hmm. do? What's the heart behind it? And then we have a vision, which is where are we going? Here's where we're going in 10 years. Here's what success is. For both of those companies, we were crystal clear on that. And we, we read those, we say those over and over again. And then we have our core values. And so- We have a lot of core values. So yeah. So <laughs> I, I think I see core values more as behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most people have like three or four or five and it's like integrity and honesty. We have like 17. Yeah. And they are, you know, one. we're fans of feedback. Uh, mistakes or opportunities to to learn. We want another core value is we we believe you know faith and family are precious gifts to be saved. Mm-hmm. We always create margin for both. Another core value is we reject the status quo and encourage innovation. Uh, these these are just behaviors that we want to to, to encourage. Yeah, we believe in radical candor. We believe in being clear as kind. We want to communicate in a way that shows that we care about someone, but we also are not afraid to confront them. That's a so so we at a as a company have seventeen of those, which is a, which is a lot. So I have I, I have just to repeat, core purpose. I have my mission. I have a vision, and I have these list of behaviors um, that are very intentional that have evolved. I just added one. Uh, oh, you did? Re, oh, yeah. I haven't told you that. What? <laughs> the homes leadership team knows. What did you add? Uh, it? It's it, it's it's about communication. Okay. Um, I can't wait. I I, I, like, I want to know what it is. (laughs) Uh, Hold on. Where is it? It's so good, but I can't remember it. Apparently it's so good. I can't remember it. Um, Shoot. That's the wrong. Oh, here it is. Oh, the the new, new core value I just added is a lack of communication is a lack of performance. 
It's basically oh. the sentiment that people... Oh, we you, we were talking about yeah. this, I think. Yes. Yeah, the sentiment that people will be like, I did my job. But it's like, but you didn't communicate Did you it. tell us? Did you tell us? What are the results? Did you tell the client? So, How yeah. You, yeah. How's the client feel? Yeah. So, all the being said, I like that a so lot. So we, ha- we have a lot of them. And we have, I think mission and values and vision are like a leaky tire. You, mm-hmm. It leaks. And so you have to pump it up that tire constantly. So every single meeting we have as both companies, we start out, if it's a formal meeting, we start out talking about one core value. We talk about that core value at the start of every single meeting. And then quarterly, when we have our quarterly meetings, we talk about our vision, our mission. So we're, we're mm-hmm. literally talking about those things to an annoying degree over and over and over and over and over again because it's a leaky tire. So I think that's how you shape culture from that side. And then I think the second part is just you are what you tolerate. And so mm-hmm. we, we have built what's called a, a scorecard. So it's everybody in their role has metrics, has a number, have things they need to do, and, and then measuring those and holding them accountable to them. And so sometimes we're good at that. Sometimes we're bad at that. That's, you know. But I think, I think those two things are what define and create. At least that's how we do culture. Mm-hmm. And, th- and then there's things like how do you, how do you, you know, I want, other parts are, you know, part of our core values, again, faith and family are important. You know, we, we have unlimited PTO. Mm-hmm. We have unlimited time off. We don't have set working hours. We do 12 weeks paid maternity leave. Yeah, we yeah. do 12. So th- those things shape culture, but they come from our values. Mm-hmm. And so I think I want to create a culture that values people, yeah. uh, but also holds them accountable. That's tricky. It's tricky. I think it's a, con- it's a constant challenge because also... Um, it's like all of these core values, we have so many, but they're, they're all little philosophies. Yeah. And so, yes, when we're bringing them to a meeting, it's like, we're setting the tone philosophically for these meetings, which mm-hmm. is so great, but philosophy begets debate. Yeah. And so, so it's, it's been an interesting journey for me, you know, having a core value of we're, we're a team of problem solvers, we're a team mm-hmm. of leaders and having, you know, some of our younger team members who are, maybe this is their first job are coming in saying, I can solve this problem my way is the right way, even mm-hmm. though maybe we we have more experience than they are. It's been interesting to to just kind of traverse that with everybody. Yeah, but it's created it's, some really beautiful conversations mm-hmm. and beautiful moments. I think as a company too. Yeah, and that's one of our core values is, is we're we're a team of problem solvers. Never bring a problem without a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, as one of them. And fa- fans of feedback, mm-hmm. like we value feedback, and especially like for like Gen Z. They think feedback is mean. Yeah. And so we have to really like teach, you know, feedback is not mean. Feedback right. helps us. Feedback know. is essential. It is. I want notes. I, I, I was, uh, I was doing a quarterly culture review yesterday with someone on the team and I was like, you, you did, you did really well. I don't have a lot of like, you know, improve areas of improvement for you right now. And I was like, I'm sorry about mm-hmm. that because I always want to yeah. know. I want the notes. I want the feedback because how can you do better? How mm-hmm. can you scale without it? Yeah. 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 So, um, let me ask you, let me ask you a, a question about you. Okay. If you were not doing marketing, if you were not doing six F storytelling, if you were not doing six F homes, would you go back to music or what would, what else would you be doing if you weren't doing this? Um, I, I wouldn't go back to music, although really? I am. You are, you are back <laughs> to music, Green River Ordinance. I am a little bit, yeah. Yeah. An, yeah. We're, yeah, with Green, we, we, we took a break in 2016, 2017. We started having kids, 2016, I guess. And we said, we're not going to tour anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we, we stopped touring. Um, we, ha- we hadn't made, we haven't made new music since 2015. And we didn't play a public show for like four years. We played a reunion concert in 2021. A few, they were fun. And then Josh, Josh, our singer, has, is a songwriter in Nashville. And right. he, he's crushed it. Mm-hmm. He, 
wrote the country music hit the CMAs last year, Country Music Association Awards. He wrote the song of the year. He won that. Oh, right. He, he was nominated for a Grammy. He's had number one hits. So, anyways, he's taken off and done done his thing. But it, and Green River Witness is making an album. So we, I was just in Nashville yeah. a few weeks ago. Made our first album. We're recording it. I'm managing us. I'm booking it. I'm doing the promoting. I'm putting it all together. So we are doing that, but 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 it's more so out of joy, out of yeah. fun. It's not like we're gonna, you know, take we'll, this back and no. yeah. We'll yeah, probably yeah. do like a show and a couple shows in Fort Worth and a mm-hmm. couple shows in Nashville. But so it wouldn't be music. I feel like I've done that. Mm-hmm. It's that thing. I took it as far as I could take it. Um, but I I do think with Sixth Avenue Storytelling and Sixth Avenue Homes, my goal and vision for both of those is to eventually step away mm-hmm. is to find leaders who run those companies who are better than me mm-hmm. who carry it on I, I think I my passion is helping entrepreneurs and then also starting things mm-hmm. I am a starter I have several other businesses and ideas I want to start eventually I need to get both these companies in a really great place but and, and I've I, I stepped out of other things I stepped, like I said I stepped out of brood mm-hmm. stepped out of the event space stepped out of you know the title company stepped have stepped out of other things because the Sixth Avenue brands are my two babies. But my eventual goal was like to find other people who want to run those and grow them mm-hmm. and scale them. So I can start my next thing. I don't know what all those next things right. are. I just, at this point in my life, I have realized I love taking the plane off and launching the plane, but I don't really love flying <laughs> the plane. <laughs> so, uh, No, I can get it. That checks out. Yeah. So I don't know necessarily know what's next. Um, but I, I I know for right now the next several years it's the Sixth it's Avenue this, brands. Yeah. But but the eventual goal is like to is to empower leaders who are running those. Yeah. So do you so do you think um do you think like when you look at yourself you know in your sixties or you know when you're getting ready to retire like do you think you'll still be on the entrepreneurial path like starting 100%. stuff is that like I will never retire. Yeah. <laughs> I will never ever retire. I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> I, believe I go that. crazy if I don't have. Something. Something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I need a little chaos in my, mm-hmm. if I don't have another, pro- even like side hustles, you have side, you have side hustles. Mm-hmm. I have side, like, um, I just, I just need, I don't know. I need to be doing something. I have yeah. a hard time chilling. Yeah. So, so, to, so yeah. to speak. Well, and so, so you have, when you started Sixth Ave, did you have kids when you guys started Sixth Ave? Um, I know Jimmy no. did, but you didn't. Yeah, he did. We didn't. We started flipping houses in like 2013, 2014. I had Rosie in 2015. Okay. And I guess we, we would six have, I'm trying to think of when it would be. Well, yeah, maybe we did have her. So we were flipping houses mm-hmm. for like two or three years. And we before probably, you like officially, yeah, yeah, before. So Sixth Avenue Homes now is not a flipping company. We haven't right. flipped houses in a long time. We help people buy houses with real estate agents. We have like 41 something real estate agents. Uh, we help people remodel. We have contractors. We help people design. We have designers and architectures. Uh, but I had Rosie in 2015. I think Sixth Avenue in that model started in 2016. Mm-hmm. So maybe I did did have. So how has becoming a parent and your kids getting older changed or impacted you as a business owner? Um, or think, has it? I I think I think it has just in terms of that like balance mm. a little bit because my, my I would work 10 hours a day mm-hmm. 12 hours a day I would not come you know I I take my kids to school every single day yeah um, and then I am home by 5 or 5 30 every single day mm-hmm. so I want to be with them for a couple hours sometimes I'll hop back on my computer work for mm-hmm. a little bit but um, 
so I, I think that just balance like like creating margin for the kids is is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, I don't know that I have grand I, grand schemes of like I don't really want to leave my kids a lot of money. Oh, um, you want them to like do it themselves? Yeah. I so if so themselves. if Rosie came to you and she was like, Dad, I want to start a business. Heck yeah. Would you? Would, can you? Can you spot me? Yeah. You would. I, I. I. Yeah. I would loan her something. I don't. You know. Some people have j- visions of like, I want to make all this money and set mm-hmm. my kids up and give them trust funds. I'm like, I want to spend it all. <laughs> I want to spend it all and give it all away and do fun things and yeah. set my kids up for to where they can do and chase their do dreams. it themselves. If they yeah. wanted to come do the family business, I think it'd be cool. But yeah, I don't want to like give them. <laughs> no, I. I love. I think that's great. Because I think the greatest thing that ever happened to me was when my parents. They supported me with the band. They're mm-hmm. like, we let you do it. They bought me my first guitar. They co-signed on the note to get our van. Oh, that's sweet. But then they cut me off. They cut me oh. and my brother off. When we dropped out of college, they were like, you are done. You're on your own. Mm-hmm. And so I was so poor. We were so poor. But it was like the greatest, that was the greatest gift. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, we love you. We support you. We're here for you. We're going to buy tickets to your show. We're going to be a cheerleader. But you're on your own. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I don't know if that answers the yeah. question. I just feel, you know, I feel like, um, you know, throughout your career, when, once once kids kind of come into the picture, it changes so much. It changes time. It changes your work-life balance. Time. But it also just changes the way that you lead other people, I think, mm-hmm. you know. And I think your empathy changes, you know. Yeah, 100%. Like, and again, I think it's why some of those hard decisions as leaders are become even harder because you know that it's like, there's have a it's family. a family behind this. There's yeah. there's people behind this. Yeah. So yeah. And we're we're a young organization of young people. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, this this year and last year, how many people have we had have go on maternity leave and have Oh man. So we uh, had three people at the same time go on maternity leave this summer. We have another one going on maternity leave in the spring. And then on the home side, we also have someone on maternity leave currently yeah. right now. So it's been four five and we've like had four, and we've yeah. had few others last year oh yeah i forgot about that, that. yeah uh, but that but that's been a new thing that's a that's mm-hmm. a challenge for us as a company like when you're a small business and maternity leave like that work doesn't go away mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I think figuring out too like how do you as an organization you know love and support your moms because uh, mm-hmm. we have a lot of women like like and so how do we support them to, to so they can be moms, mm-hmm. uh, but also still do the job. And so I think that's that's one of the things we're, we're passionate about and, mm-hmm. and figuring it and out. And it's a challenge. It's, it's a challenge. so like this year going through all those maternity leaves, that's that was a huge learning we had yeah. this year. It was like, okay, so two at the exact same time. Two at the exact same time, you're losing and two leaders, two yeah. people that were on our leadership team at the same, exact same time. How do you either bring the team up to help or do you sort of bring in temporary support and I think yeah. we ex- we've had to experiment a lot with that this year we've learned a lot um and I'm hoping that you know that's going to help us shape that better in the future but mm-hmm. that's been a learning that I've never had to deal with before is like that much maternity leave yeah, yeah. so hey also you have a like a hair thing happening right here do it the <laughs> other way a wild hair there you go yeah I got the hair the hair is <laughs> is big it has a mind of its own um okay let's see here Oh, let me let me ask this because we do have a lot of young people on our team. We deal. We have a lot of coaching that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as someone that you know was cut off, you paved your own way. You like learned a lot of mistakes. What is your advice for for Gen Z for this next generation of 
of people coming up and, and starting their careers, but also maybe starting businesses. What is your advice? Oh gosh, I need to think about that. That's a lot of advice, I bet. Yeah, there, there's a there's a lot of advice. I think, you know, one is be hungry for feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, like having having a hunger and desire to do better and being open with that. Like, I can think of some conversations I had <laughs> this week where I gave feedback and mm-hmm. it was just met with so much resistance, frustration. Yeah, and I'm like, man, you if you want to like. When someone comes to me that's very humble, mm-hmm. uh, I I love that. Also, someone that's that's hungry, yeah. be hungry, and so you know, I, I think want more, do more, mm-hmm. like you know, want more from your job, want more for the company. When I like having people that want to help grow is a is a is a big deal. I think be hung, hum, humble, have humility for feedback, and then be hungry to learn and to improve and to grow yourself and to grow the company and like put, put yourself out there. Um, I think also to, you know, if I chase, chase, chase your dreams, I think not be afraid to, 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 to risk anything, anything about this. Do you, do you have any advice when the, when you ask that? Um, yes, I feel, I feel like I, I agree about the feedback. I think like being open and receptive. I would also say like, like don't just say no to everything mm-hmm. learning to say yes or learning to say no but and i think this is something like in in marketing we mm-hmm. deal with with clients where like you know we, you're always going to be clients like hey can you create us an entire like 300 page website in two days and yeah. and you know like no but mm-hmm. we can't do and so and so rather than sort of shutting down your opportunities being open to your opportunities or being open to finding you know, a resourceful, creative solution to the things yeah. maybe you couldn't do otherwise. Like, I think that's another reason that's, that's like risk assessment is another way you succeed is just like yeah. being resourceful and figuring it out. Yeah. yeah. But I, I yeah, hundred percent. I think just wanting, wanting more, like uh, mm. I, if I, if I, which doesn't happen a lot, but if I have young people who come who like, who are like, Jamie, give me more. I want to take on more. Mm-hmm. Give me like, it rarely happens. But it's so exciting when it does. But when it does, I'm like, I will, the people that want more and can take on more, grow and elevate and make more. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things I, I always tell our tell our team is, you know, the more you get paid, your pay is tied to the problems that you solve. Right. The bigger the problems you solve, the more money you make. Mm-hmm. It's why, you know, CEO, so I'm solving the biggest problems. It's why, you know, uh, uh, surgeons make a lot of money because they're solving really hard, really complicated problems. Just and they've gone through years of years. learning and making mistakes and yeah. like figuring it out. And yeah. so, you know, having a desire to take on more, it's like when people are like, I want to raise, I'm like, take, you got to take on more. You got to yeah. solve bigger problems. You got to help grow the, grow the pie, so to speak. Yeah. I think that's good advice. I think, I think, I mean, everybody learns that maybe coming into it, but mm-hmm. um, what kind of, what kind of legacy are you hoping you're going to leave? I think the 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 biggest legacy for me is just will Fort will I have made an impact on on Fort Worth? Like will Fort Worth be better than when I found it? I think the answer to that is already yes. I th- I, th- I think so. I'm I'm, pr- I'm proud of that, but I'm like I, I still want to I want to contribute more. I don't think it's all about me or I've done, but but you know, was my city better if I if I created jobs if I if I given people opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, have you created a culture that's me? Like right now, our, our legacy is like, have I helped start and support small businesses and entre- mm-hmm. entrepreneurs? Um, I think we've helped change. The, I, I think we're I'm fulfilling and doing the legacy 
Mm-hmm. I think for my kids, are they going to be problem solvers? Are they going to be hungry? Are they going to do meaningful things? Mm. That's a big, a big piece of it. But mm-hmm. um, I think I've gotten to do a lot of the things that I love. Yeah. Right now, I feel very blessed, blessed, yeah. and, and proud of it. Sometimes it feels very hard, but I don't know. I think just is is it meaningful? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do things that are not meaningful and not fun. Yeah. Not meaningful or fun. Not worth it. Yeah. Sometimes it feels not fun. But well, yeah. <laughs> it's not all I mean, it's not always yeah. fun. Yeah, there's always challenges. But but I th- you know, I sort of have that introspection with myself of like even on the hard days of like, but I this is what I want to do. Yeah. Like, yeah, it sucks today. And I wish I could just stay in bed or take a mental health day, but like I'm so happy mm-hmm. that these are the problems that I have. Yeah. You know, I'm so I'm so privileged to have have these issues and problems. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like leaving a legacy for Fort Worth, we've worked with a lot of really amazing small businesses in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but but coming from an agency perspective and managing customers and like managing clients like really has its own issues. So is there any kind of memorable story or client that has significant a significant impact on the way that you do business as we've been working with some of these legacy clients in Fort Worth? Oh, man, I mean, there's so, so I mean, we've gotten to work with some, some, some just really cool mm-hmm. Fort Worth brands. I mean, uh, like last night, this is, we're recording this, it's like Christmas time. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, we had the Nets uh, Christmas party at, at Joe T's last night, mm-hmm. Joe T. Garcia's. And we've gotten, they've been a client of ours for a while and we've helped them articulate their story. And they have a beautiful story that's a hundred years old. We've, yeah. Look at their website if you haven't. And just yeah. go look at the Joe T's website right now. It's beautiful. It is. We got to do that. We do a lot of their content. So that, like that, um, you know, some, some of the guests on here, we've carried from mm-hmm. Melt Ice Creams. We got to help tell their story for a long time. We've worked the Walsh neighborhood. We're doing a lot of work for RAR Brewing, mm-hmm. which I've had Fritz on this podcast. Uh, it's a, you know, a Fort Worth institution. Mm-hmm. Like Lots the, of institutions we've yeah, worked with, yeah. The local businesses are what make a city special. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, and, and we've helped launch brands. We had we have some new clients who are launching sort of this consulting company, uh, Everything as a Service, and they were in the office last week, and we were about to make their branding, and, and mm-hmm. we got to tell their story, and they were like, you know, we, we had, a, we had a, a stone company, a granite company that makes countertops. They were in last week, Integrity Stone, and they were crying. Mm-hmm. Like they were literally crying as we were reading their story and showing them the photos and showing them the marketing plan. It's just, it's like each, every small business has a family, has a story, has mm-hmm. people. Uh, we got to, I, I saw a, fr- a friend last night, uh, Kenny Hanger Law Firm. It's the oldest law firm in Fort, in Fort Worth. And I got to do a ton of work on their story and great content mm-hmm. for them. And I was checking, talking to, to my friend Karen who works there and, and so it, there's so many of those sort of Fort Worth stories. The, mm-hmm. the public market yeah. uh, is being redeveloped right now on Henderson, right down the street from where we were recording here. We got to do the branding and mm-hmm. the story and the marketing for there. And that like, it's a building I've always been mm-hmm. a, a, obsessed with. So, I mean, there's, I could, there's so many, we're working with a jewelry designer, Patsy Wesson mm-hmm. jewelry, who's a custom jewelry designer and brand. it's just it's so every business we work with has a face and has a story and makes our city mm-hmm. what it is. But but how have those clients impacted you? I mean, I've, you've worked with amazing entrepreneurs locally. Yeah. Has there been any advice or any any client that you've worked with that you that like you learned so much from? Oh, I learned learned from all of them. Well, sh- yes, fair I learned, enough. I learned. Yeah, 
I, I don't know that I have like a specific yeah. s- story other than just like, I, I, I think when, I think the biggest thing I've, it, it's, it's more motivation than anything else. Mm. It's when you get in proximity, when you get in proximity to someone and you hear their story, you, you root for them. You want to win for them. And so I think when it gets really hard, running a business is hard. Mm-hmm. When it gets hard, when it gets overwhelming, when you got to do hard things, knowing the stories and knowing the people and knowing who they are, like is the motivation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of why I do this podcast is like to get, I want to hear, I want to hear their yeah. So I, I feel like I'm getting that all the time, but I think the biggest thing is like every, every business, every brand has a story and that, that's like what keeps us going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to flip the script a little bit. So that's that's why we do this podcast. It's yeah. Like to he, when you hear someone's story, it it's it's incredible. So like every, every time we sit down with an entrepreneur, I'm like at the end of that conversation, I'm like, I want to root for them. I want to buy from them. I want to, you know, mm-hmm. I want them to win. Yeah. So, them winning is us winning. Yeah. Every winning, time. Them winning is us winning. So yeah. anyways, I th- that might be a good, a good spot to. To wrap up. To wrap up. Right. I, I feel like that was, I don't know if you have a, any final thoughts or final I don't like what what uh deep questions what other deep questions can I ask well yeah what are, how do you feel about death that's another podcast for it yeah, yeah we can talk about <laughs> no death. I'm just kidding death on the next on <laughs> like, the next one yeah but anyways I, I hope this has been this has been fun yeah know. I think I, I mean think, I work with you every day but it's been so nice to, yeah. to sit and talk with you about this and it, dig yeah. in thanks for asking me questions so and I, I would say if, if this was interesting to you like maybe we can we can do it again if you have other questions yeah I need to put you in the hot seat Oh, that'd be fun. More. I'd be down for that. More next time. I have time. a lot of opinions about operational systems. Yes. If you <laughs> if you want to learn more about operational systems, uh, follow Sage. Yeah. Uh, find Sage. Find her on LinkedIn. Find, find her on, me on LinkedIn. Sage Randall. Yeah. She is the queen queen of that. And you do a lot. You do a ton of consulting for uh, women. I do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm incredibly passionate. That's one of the reasons I have loved working at Sixth Ave is because... <laughs> Is because we're we are majority women on this team, mm-hmm. and and the fact that you guys, you know, that coming in, I was like, oh man, there is a twelve week paid maternity leave. That's an amazing mm-hmm. benefit for a small business to have. So yeah, I, I support. Um, I am a co founder of Hire Women Week, mm-hmm. which is an annual event where we um, just push to get as many women hired into tech and leadership roles as possible. It's coming up January twenty second through the twenty sixth. Let me plug that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so, to air this before that. I know. I, I know. I actually didn't yeah. realize what the schedule was when I was like, can I? Pro- promote that um and so i do that i also do consulting for ladybird talent um which is all about you know getting women hired into startup series a's you know you get more funding um in some of those tech companies when you have diverse teams and you tell a better story mm-hmm. when you know like um like we have a client at, at ladybird who is developing like a back-end dentist office software mm. using ai and he was like we have to have a female product developer because the dentist industry the it's like 90 percent women so like bringing diversity into your teams tells a more robust story mm-hmm. when you're building a product and so i'm i'm incredibly passionate about that and and six Ave has been such a huge champion for me in that too yeah and i think i think just you know you you probably work a 40 to 60 hour work week with six Ave, uh but then you have these other side side hustles sometimes sounds trite they're like big big things that you're, you're I think on. I think of them more like fraction uh, like yeah. frac- fractional, fractional leadership fractional yeah fra- consulting yeah but I think but part of our culture is like we we want to empower you to also chase the things that you mm-hmm. that you love and I think you're 
you have other things that you do that you're great at, that you're passionate about, that you're building, and we get to support that as well. Is yeah, a, is a win for us. I feel very thankful for that. I'm blessed and thankful to have allies like yeah. such great male allies at Sixth Ave. I love it. Well, Sage, thanks for thanks for doing this. Thanks guys. for doing this too, Jamie. Thanks for listening. If you want us to do more of these, let us let us know. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll maybe we'll do some more, this or you maybe fun. like get back to the original program. I liked it. Bring a guest. So, all right, that's it. Thanks, guys. Congratulations, you made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stories with Soul. If you enjoyed the interview and like what you heard, please help us out and share, subscribe, and like anywhere you listen to podcasts. When you share and subscribe, it is insanely helpful and allows us to keep producing new episodes. You can always join us directly in the studio by watching the video version on our website, 6thavstorytelling.com. Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6th Ave Storytelling, an organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story. You're obsessed with your business and we want to make the world obsessed with it too. Thanks for listening.